This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. My hair's all messed up. It's been a long day. How are you, John Daly? I'm well. I get to see you brush your hair as well. Uh, you were talking I, about that. Earlier. I come to the After Party live a little disheveled, a little worse for wear, but still ready to party. Hey, I almost put you on the right side of the screen, and then I flipped it right the last second. Um, so. No, we can't be on different we're sides all of a little, the bed. We're all Not a little disheveled. How are you? You sound hollow to me today. <laughs> wow, thank you, Kim. My soul <laughs> no. has been removed. It's almost like you're using your computer sound instead of your real microphone. No, I think that's more like I'm a little under the weather and I was trying not to. Oh, is uh, that what's happening? Oh, are you yeah, feeling sick? It. I've been like, I have congestion issues mm-hmm. and maybe it's living in the fog. Maybe. Know. Okay. <laughs> well, happy welcome to the Tuesday party, the after party live. We are uh, here. We are doing it. You can reach us always. We love your comments and suggestions. A $10 super sticker from Doug. What? So awesome. Thank you for kicking off the party right. Whoa. $25. Hang in there, says Mod. Yes, we will. I love that picture of you. And a $5 super sticker from Wes. You guys coming through to support the show. Thank I can't y'all. even tell you how awesome and how appreciated that is. Honest. I think so. Yeah. I might. Scared. Is that I'm okay a little if I choked cry? Up. Would it be all right? I mean, I are you gonna so. are you gonna judge me if I cry? Is it gonna be okay? I've already judged you, you guys. So it's okay. Thank you, you so going. much. I really appreciate that. I know my hair's all bumpy and weird. I don't know what's happening to me, but thank you for that. Um, the support of the After Party Live. He is John at the After Party Live. I am Kim at the After Party Live. That's how you can email us. Please click the like button, please, oh, please, oh, please. And if you haven't subscribed, please do that as well. Um, I do want to thank Stephen S. for the $10 super sticker. I, did we get that in After Hours Trading? Is that what happened? Uh, that was actually, we had given credit to John Woodzard. Oh, and okay. that's actually his uh, on his name, Diplume. And uh, so oh. his real name is Stephen S. So I just want to make sure oh, we thank, thank Stephen you, S. Stephen for the $10 S. Uh, super sticker that we, really uh, nice. yeah. we mentioned yesterday. Thank you. I am in the mood for animal news. Can you please bring me some humpback whales? Because I, it just makes my heart sore whenever I get to see whales. I'm always the person, like if I'm scrolling through Facebook and the reels pop up and it's a wh- something about a whale, I'm always there clicking yeah, on that. Yeah, you want a whale tail. Passengers is, on a... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. No, no you. you. I insist. No, okay. you. Uh, Passengers on a California uh, whale watching boat were treated to a rare encounter when a pair of humpback whales swam for over three hours. So So cool. This was down uh, off of Orange County. And you want to check out the video? It's about 30 seconds. Yeah, please. Show me the whales. Yeah, so this is a humpback whale. And it's right next to the boat. Um, Can you imagine? That's getting your money's worth. That is amazing. Look at it right next to the whale watchers and the big tail coming up. There's the tail. Get ready for it. It's a dream come true. And there goes the tail. And they got their money for it. So cool. Look at everyone so giddy over it. They're in an inflatable boat, too. That that looks like a rubber boat. Yeah, I guess they could have been flipped. Mm -hmm. Uh, A pair of humpback whales curiously investigated and played with our boat for nearly three hours, the captain said. Uh, she said it was one of the best humpback encounters of her career 
and uh, shared that video on Facebook uh, to the delight maybe of Maybe the whales don't remember the days, because whales live a really long time, I think. Maybe they don't remember the days that humans were their enemies. Because right now it seems to me that whales are as curious about us as we are about them. And you see them all the time on these videos coming up, even their eyes surfacing, like looking at us. You know, what are these people looking at me? And I'm looking at them. This kind of this weird thing, dynamic happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't know anyone who's been uh, killed by us, I guess. No, I guess <laughs> not. You went into a dark place with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's lighten it up with this next story. You um, take a look at this. Um, yes, this deer smashed right through. We see, we've seen it recently with restaurants, right? Yeah, this but you'll see why I. Store. You'll see, yeah. yeah, you'll see why I included this one. It was a lingerie store in uh, in Michigan. It and, happened um, in Michigan. This yeah. deer just trashes the inside of the store. What's the name of the store? Out. Yeah. Uh, curvaceous lingerie. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look at the video. An adventure you don't see every day in Old Town. We had a deer leap through our glass door and create an entire ruckus all the way around the shop. Lauren Palmer is the owner of Curvaceous Lingerie. On Saturday, employees and customers received a not so friendly visit from a deer. Everybody pretty much kind of remained somewhat calm and uh, just stayed out of the way. This was a big buck. It was not a small doe by any means. I mean, you were not going to mess with this deer. The deer destroying fixtures, tables, mannequins, and mirrors. Palmer says no one inside the store was hurt. It wasn't until one of the employees opened the door and the deer eventually left. After, the community immediately pitched in to help clean up. Although Palmer says this came at an unfortunate time. We've been having a rough season, so to have this on top of that is, um, is, is adding to the challenge but we're hoping that we can pivot and make light of it as we have tried to can do with some of our signs and some a of moment. our social yeah, media right there. and um, move forward. There's a deer painted on the outside. It saw the yeah. sign. Uh, well, no, they added the chalk afterwards. So they, oh, is that they, what happened? They were trying to make <laughs> I was light like, of no, it knew it was welcome. It had to go bra shopping, you know. It's mating season and the alligators are restless. Oh, that's funny. Uh, that's quite a surprise. Sometimes deer just kind of leap in and there you go. But yeah. How's my audio now? Is that better? So much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fixed so, it. Uh, yeah. Uh, my mic switched to a different mic. That's, that's what, what I thought. See? But I'm also congested. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I wasn't. It's one of the rare times that I will be right on a tech issue. So I'm going to take it as a win for now me. Now I'm back to my broadcast quality mic. <laughs> Thank you. I knew sure, it. Uh, it's a sure like the, like the political analyst. Um, Harry with a $5 super sticker party on Wes beat me again. Harry, you are so welcome to the party. No matter when you arrive, we love you and your $5 always come on in with your jokes and your fun stuff. Yes. Okay. Thank you to Harry for that. Um, let's carry on, uh, because we have another, do we have another animal story? No, we have, no, we have a Disney story, kind of an animal story. It's about a carousel horse in a way, okay. right? Yeah, I don't know. This is another Disneyland story. And apparently, I don't know if you knew this, but Disneyland fans are obsessed with one of King Arthur's carousel horses. It is a special horse. It's the one Mary Poppins loves. This carousel, historic, historically significant to Disneyland. Of course, it was there the opening day, right? Um, 
As the story goes, Walt Disney was sitting at the Griffith Park merry-go-round in Los Angeles on one of his daddy-daughter days that he'd have with his girls when he had an inspirational thought, open a place where kids and adults can all have fun together, and thus Disneyland was born. So one of the lead horses on this King Arthur carousel when the park opened in 1955 was, you know, there was a bunch of brown, gray, brown, gray, tan horses, but they had a white horse with bells on its saddle. And that was reportedly Walt Disney's wife, Lillian Disney's favorite horse. All the horses on the carousel were painted white by 1975, and they were also all given names. And Lily's favorite one with the bells was named Jingles. Um, and this, apparently, all these years later, is the one everyone races to when you get on the carousel. Every time they load a new round of passengers on the carousel, people race to get on to Jingles. So I just, I didn't know this. Uh, I guess people try and they'll ride the carousel over and over again, trying to get onto this horse. I had no idea Jingles was even a thing. Um, yeah, I've never even heard of that. Uh, I don't know that no. I would race towards uh, one horse. Jingles? I don't even know if I would get on the carousel. Oh, I've been on the carousel point. a lot. I like the benches <laughs> on the carousel. I always take go for the bench. I well, strap my boring. kids in, and then I go right on the bench. a little boring if you're going all the way to a carousel at Disneyland. Yeah, no. I Put me on the bench. I'm fine. Or I'll strap them on and then hop off and let the other people get on. But it's it's kind of fun. It's a good moment in Disneyland. And it's been around forever. I can't imagine Fantasyland without the carousel. One time, you see Mary Poppins pictured here. One time, Mary Poppins got on a horse right next to Julia, and they struck up a conversation. And after the ride was over, Mary Poppins took Julia's hand, and they walked through Fantasyland as everyone, along with Bert, who was behind her, Bert was on one side, Julia on the other. They walked through Fantasyland to where they were going to take pictures as I was following behind. And people were trying to stop Mary Poppins to get her to pose for pictures or to talk to her. And they wouldn't. They were just talking to Julia the whole way through Fantasyland. I thought you were going to say she grabbed an umbrella and they floated away. No, but it was one of these (laughs) magical moments. I will never forget it in my life that for some reason she was singled out for five minutes in Disneyland by Mary Poppins. And it was like... I don't know, it was like one of these make-a-wish moments, although she wasn't a make-a-wish kid, but it just was a dream come true. So interesting. Yeah. My my dad, when we when we went as kids, um, I think it was like fifth grade, They he paid for, to get in the extra hour. They used to, I think, I don't know if they did that anymore. They would open up an hour so. early for like breakfast yeah. and you meet the characters. And Chip yeah. and Dale tried to steal my breakfast and I've never forgotten <laughs> that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, from a lovely Disneyland story to an emergency room story. And I have a story about this story, but I guess a lot of people, they go to the emergency room for kind of a funky reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nearly 300,000 American adults wind up in the ER every year for having a, are you ready for it? Foreign object in body, making it the ninth leading cause of unintentional injuries that land people in the hospital, according to a new analysis of the CDC and the data there at the CDC. Oh, uh, is that you? Good when morning. You at, is that you when you worked at the uh, ER? I don't know if I was down, down and dirty like that, but yeah, okay. In yeah, 2021, sure. there are 277,922 ER visits for foreign object and body, which included, are you ready for it? Plastic swords. Of course. Glow sticks in the ear. 
yeah. magnets, and diesel fuel up noses. What's what? going on diesel there? Diesel fuel? That's weird. Steak knives? What? Video mm-hmm. game controllers down throats. Oh. <laughs> Is that like between spouses? Uh, <laughs> yes. Men with You'll car never keys. beat me again, Cram. No. Oh, man. Men with you car said car keys? keys. Where's the car keys? You're, you're about to find out. Men with car keys and USB cords stuck in their penises oh, also yeah. paid visits to the doctor, according to the reports, along with women who sought medical help for soap bars and even spatulas out of their vaginas. Yeah. Well. And taking up the rear. Get it? A staggering July <laughs> study from the American Journal of Emergency Medicine revealed nearly 4,000 people were hospitalized with foreign objects in their bottom yeah their rectum mm-hmm. are you ready for it here's a photo yeah yes and here's another that's a photo that's a beer bottle mm-hmm. yeah and that here's looks some like kind a of child like, and that looks like a looks some like type a, of screw screw yeah you're mm-hmm. like i've i've seen this over half mm-hmm. of the items lodged in the caboose are sex toys like vibrators and anal beads we're just oh, demonetized we can take uh, the child down now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know that that's a child uh and oh, anal, it looks anal like a beads. Child. But marbles, yeah. bottles, and other uh, items also found to add insult to injury. Uh, Two hundred seventy-seven thousand nine hundred twenty-two uh, foreign body incidents costs an average of five thousand dollars at the hospital, according to personal injury lawyers. Uh, the biggest cause of unintentional non-fatal injuries, accidental falls, comprise yeah. five point six million accidents annually and costs mm-hmm. on average eight thousand two hundred and four dollars to treat. Involuntary poisoning ranks as the second most common reason. So I may have mentioned I used to work in an emergency room when I was going to school and I was the ER clerk and I would hear a lot of stories and see a lot of people come in. And I also worked at a radio station on my off time as I would intern at the same time. And they had me doing, because I would come in and tell them the stories. Oh, last night there was somebody with a cocktail stir up the penis trying to, you know, keep it stiff or whatever. Or last night the 10 Barbie heads were found up somebody's rectum. The guy had to go to surgery, whatever. Um, And so they had me do this segment called Horror Stories from the Emergency Room. Never used anybody's name. And I usually, see what you started, Richard Gere, with the, what, the, was it a gerbil? Yeah. Yeah. Never used anybody's name, but told some wild stories from the emergency room, mostly about the things people came in with lodged up there, hoo-hoo, or wazoo, or whatever it is. It's a modello, folks. Yeah, spoken like a true bartender. Yeah, I should have said that. Um, And I got reprimanded at the hospital. They said, you can't. Oh. You can't give information. I said, well, there's no patient information being given out. And they said, but someone could hear their story. Right. So they didn't want that. It was the first moment I knew that I would much rather be telling the news, sharing the news than I would be at the heart of what, you know, making the new helping people and making the news happen. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but I shouldn't have been there in the emergency room if my first desire was I can't wait to tell people about it. Right. Right. So, yeah. So you weren't really a good person in that moment. (laughs) I'm a horrible person. That's not true. I have my my sympathy to people that you know need a little extra help. As you make fun help. of them on the air, got it. Mm, got yeah, it. yeah. Well, you did stick something up there, so right. Okay. Do you have a story about caterpillars? I do have a story about caterpillars. This story is a is it a myth? Well, what do you think? Uh, this Wait, story are you, about are these being stuck somewhere? 
these are the woolly bear caterpillars. And the, the myth is that they can predict winter, especially in Pennsylvania. All right. They can predict whether or not we'll have a mild or a harsh winter. I thought this was all about Punxsutawney, Punxsutawney Phil, but apparently it's about the woolly caterpillar. The National Weather Service says this caterpillar cannot predict what winter will bring. The amount of black on the woolly caterpillar in autumn varies equally with the severity of the coming winter where the insect is found. So if the woolly bear is mostly black, the myth goes, it will be a very harsh and severe winter. But if the woolly bear has an orange stripe, it means the winter will be mild. And the wider the red-orange band is, the more mild the upcoming winter will be. But the National Weather Service says no. The truth is this caterpillar can't predict what kind of winter we're going to have and that the coloring of this species has to do with its age and its species and what it's been eating and not to do with the upcoming winter. Yeah, I was going to say, is, I'm sure genetics play a factor. This has been a, a myth for decades. Um, they say, in addition, the coloring indicates the age of the woolly bear caterpillar. They shed their skins six times before they reach adult size, becoming less black and more red-orange. These caterpillars then turn into tiger moths, and there are 260 different species of these moths in the world. So, no, it can't predict, but people still think that it can. This is folklore. I don't know. Interesting. That's the story of the woolly moth. Yeah, people want to believe anything. Um, yeah. But you know who you can believe in this case? Google's own Bard AI chatbot. Get mm. this. You ready for it? Yes. Google's Bard, that's their chatbot, right? Rips mm -hmm. the monopoly power of search giant Google, says DOJ, and should prevail in the antitrust uh, so, uh, trial. So Google's own AI is saying that Google is a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. It says it, 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 yeah. it's, so Google's it's losing product. its own case for it. No. Yeah, Google's own product. That's BARD, right? So that's their version of yeah. ChatGPT, BARD. Yeah, it says yeah. the U.S. Just, Justice Department has a winning case in landmark antitrust trial against the search giant and blasted the company for wielding illegal monopoly power and has harmed consumers, according to a New York Post analysis. The Post uh -oh. quizzed Bard, a so-called large language model, trained on endless reams of internet data on more than 700 keywords taken directly from the se September 12th opening statement in which the DOJ attorney detailed the government's case for why Google's search juggernaut should be broken up. When asked if it agreed or disagreed with the DOJ's argument, Bard cited with the feds declaring that U.S. Uh, prosecutors' evidence made it clear that Google has illegally used its monopoly power to maintain its dominance in the online search market. Bard, which has uh, recently raised eyebrows by falsely claiming that Israel and Hamas have agreed to a ceasefire and botching a description mm. of the James Webb te telescope in, a company's, in the company's own ad, responded to a query last week saying Google's lack of innovation has led to lower quality search results for users. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm sorry, no. boss. Uh, this is this is uh, the AI speaking. AI speaking here. I believe that the Justice Department should prevail in this case. If Google is found to have violated antitrust laws, the court should order Google to change its business practices and make it easier for other search engines to compete. This would lead to more competition in the online search market and lower prices for consumers. So I'm sure that the uh, the bosses at, uh, at Google are probably going to cancel the Bard project. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I don't think they can cancel the Bard product project. I mean, this is their AI. This is their... Yeah, I'm, I'm, their... I'm joking. That's a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> but, but can you imagine if your own employee... Like, no. Yeah, but I think you're guilty. <laughs> and what know, employee input that into the AI, the Bard AI thing? I don't know. Well, they're scraping everyone's data. Um, let's move to this one about... Uh, did you know we have a shortage of those little teeny tiny milk cartons that you find on school lunches? No, There's I haven't one... been hanging out at school. So. <laughs> you haven't been you haven't no. been kicking it in the, cla- no. at the classroom. Although I do, I, mess, you know, I miss the chocolate milk. It is a oh, the chocolate milk is the bane of my existence. It is a I'll tell you why in a minute. It is a law in California that schools have to offer milk to kids. And usually they come in these little mini milk cartons. There's a company that makes most of them in Illinois. They say they're the leading manufacturer of fresh food and beverage packaging in North America. And they said on Friday, they're facing significantly higher than projected demand for these little milk cartons. And because of that, they're unable to fully supply some school milk orders. They just can't do it. So the states of New York, Pennsylvania, California, and Washington State are preparing for shortages. Um, It's supply chain problems affecting multiple states. The state education department in California told the, the schools, you have to be flexible with how you offer milk to kids, limiting milk choices, using boxed shelf stable milk and providing milk using bulk dispensers instead of the cartons. This carton shortage could affect milk and juice served in hospitals, nursing homes, and prisons, as well as schools. Uh, and it's forced officials across the country to kind of figure out what, how else can we serve milk to people in, you know, this particular, so we know how much they're getting, like we have a certain serving. Um, there's small bottles some people are using, water cups for milk with lids if the cartons run out. Uh, some school districts aren't doing the chocolate milk anymore they're just doing the milk so they have enough anyway i i just hadn't realized this was a problem until i saw the story no the chocolate milk is the bane of my existence because jacob loves the chocolate milk and so i said Mm -hmm. okay you can have the chocolate milk but only on friday and we send him to school with a regular you know bag lunch and all of a sudden i was getting this messages from the school district that i owe all of this money and I thought, well, how could this be? Apparently, he's sneaking in and having a chocolate milk every day. No one's monitoring it. So he's like, I'll just take one. He's like, free chocolate milk, right? Why wouldn't he take wait, one? Wait, where is he getting it from? From the school cafeteria. And they're the like marking sh- it down like someone needs to pay yeah, for this? You, yeah, you have to You go through the checkout line, but he doesn't realize what's happening. You know, he was oh. six or seven years old. So I, I look at him and I go, you're, you're only having chocolate milk on Friday, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I go, well, then how come the school's telling me you're having chocolate milk every single day? Sometimes more than one. Uh-oh. Then he realized he's busted. Yeah, yeah that's he, how his uh, career lying began. Mm, this is how it begins. Yeah, the chocolate milk. He wants the chocolate milk all the time. It wouldn't bother me if they didn't offer chocolate milk, right? Yeah, I would I think, think that would be okay. I remember reading something, maybe it's a false memory, that, and it would make sense that the reason that obviously milk is was offered to kids because it was like a healthy thing for developing kids but i think it was Mm. like in collusion with the dairy industry like kind of like a government dairy subsidy you know um promoting that industry so um yeah i think that's why it's like codified into law well yeah 
So like, we're going to have a, a little milk carton, little cute little milk carton problem. Yeah. Well, um, from chocolate milk, maybe you can get Jacob to do this. Uh, walking backwards. Hmm. Have you ever walked backwards? I mean, in my life I have, but I don't make it a practice. Should you mean I? Career, career-wise, <laughs> you're just sliding backwards? I mean, I don't often. So uh, CNN Health is saying the significant there's significant health benefits of walking backwards. Uh, hmm. Head into any gym and you may find someone walking backwards on a treadmill or pe- pedaling in reverse on an elliptical machine. While some may be employing reverse motion as part of a physical therapy regimen, others may be doing it to boost their physical fitness and overall health. It's amazing to add in some backwards motion in your day, according to physical therapists at Lux Physical Therapy in New York. People are sitting way, uh, sitting down way too much, and they right. lack the varied movement. So quite a few studies have been done on the potential benefits of retro walking, uh, a common term used for backwards walking. Participants who walk backwards on a treadmill for 30 minutes at a time over four weeks increase their balance, walking pace, and cardiopulmonary fitness, according to this 2021 study. I guess that would make sense, right? Because you're you know, you're, you're kind of using your body in a way that it's not used to. So you're, you're developing that balance. Um, in addition, a group of women decreased their body fat and boosted their cardiorespiratory fitness after a six week program of backward running and walking, according to a clinical trial, the results of which were published in an April, t- uh, 2005 issue of the international journal of sports medicine. Um, I'm all for that. Yeah. So I, I think it makes sense, right? You're, yeah. you're used to walking forward. Your brain is used to putting one foot in front of the other in a certain way. And mm-hmm. now you're reversing that so i think that's good it's probably yeah. it's good for your brain right yeah i would think so yeah Gets so you switching up the muscles you're using yeah, yeah so uh why don't you try that and uh, everyone try that and report back and we'll see how it works out it's for like them. they say you know if you're right-handed writing with your left hand or vice versa to kind of yeah. just change things up not that you're going to be successful but just kind of practicing and just make sure you done. kind of um, flash a weird smirk like this uh, character here we have on our screen <laughs> <laughs> the only time I walk backwards is if maybe I'm pushing a cart down in a, a grocery store aisle and I see something and then I back up a couple steps oh, okay. to look at what it was that I've walked I don't think by, that, by too I don't quickly. Think that, counts. that doesn't count. No. no. You know, you can't even give me that. It's so rude. Not today. We had a story recently about a human skull ending up at a thrift store. <laughs> well, now we have another story about the same thing. It's happened more than once. This is a new story about a human skull found in a Florida thrift store's Halloween section this time. Oh, man. A shopper at this thrift store also happened to be an anthropologist. So when they were looking at the Halloween decor items, this anthropologist said, hold up, wait a minute, that's real. Mm -hmm. This happened in Lee County in Florida. They have confirmed that a skull found on display is of human origin. The skull recognized by an unnamed shopper who happened to be an anthropologist. The detective who arrived on the scene also confirms, yeah, that's a human skull. What can you tell us about the scene? The store's owner says the last one was found in a bin, like a donated bin outside. This one was found in a storage unit purchased years prior. And they pulled it out and they went through the st- stuff in the storage unit and, you know, put it all up in for display. The sheriff's department says they'll continue to work with a medical examiner to try to investigate this skull. Uh, the probe, they say, is not suspicious in nature. It should be. Why is there a skull <laughs> in a storage unit? Wait, Come what does it take now. to become suspicious? Uh, if that doesn't qualify, I don't know what qualifies. So, but how weird to be walking through a thrift store and see their, you know, 
no nothing against thrift stores but often they're you know hollow their holiday displays are kind of chintzy like the the crap nobody else wanted is is thrown out there but to see a human skull there that must have been an eye catcher yeah, I was anyway. telling you, you know, during Halloween is probably the best time to get away with a crime. And then you could dispose of the evidence in a thrift store, apparently. There you mm -hmm. go. Apparently, that's all you need to do. You know, Allegedly. a few femurs and a skull, it's all good. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, this is a controversial story. Costco, uh, usually not controversial, but they planned a sprawling gas station in Marin in Novato, and not everyone is happy. Ooh, That's right. Are they putting are they putting this in Novato? Tell me they, they are. They want to. So a protest okay. of plans to build one of the Bay Area's largest gas stations at the Novato Costco turns turned heads on a busy shopping Saturday. The proposed gas station would be a, an acre large. That's huge. Oh, and that's able to fuel enormous. 28 cars at a time, according to plans filed with the city of Novato, would also include three 40,000 gallon gasoline storage tanks and one 1500 gallon tank all underground. Environmental activists worry that the idling cars could cause air pollution and the underground tanks might leak into nearby wetlands. Can we just say they will? They will leak yeah. into the nearby wetlands eventually. <clears throat> About uh, 15 protesters marched through the Vintage Oaks Shopping Center carrying colorful signs reading Costco Stop Fueling Climate Change and Costco No Business on a Dead Planet. Passing cars oh. slowed and some shoppers with brimming carts stopped to watch as the group gathered outside the store entrance chanting and delivering speeches. Uh, Costco first proposed adding the gas station to its existing warehouse in 2020, and the city approved it in 2021, but seven Novato residents sued the city, arguing it could have completed an environmental impact report, or sorry, it should have uh, completed an environmental impact report before approving plans. So in August uh, 2022, Marin County Superior Judge agreed and uh, ordered the city to suspend the project until the EIR was made. And uh, so now they're still said that the environment they've said that the environmental report will also give activists time to share information about the project and mm. rally residents against it so what do you think about this do you want to see a costco gas station at the novato costco you know on the one hand it would benefit me significantly mm -hmm. because i fuel up on the way back from visiting uh, my mom in petaluma but um, right. i don't think we should build any more gas stations so it's against my own short-term yeah. best interests but uh, long-term planet interests i think uh, when i was when I was driving back and forth in between Petaluma and San Francisco, this would have been great for me because Costco does have the cheapest gas. So this would be amazing. In Sonoma County, there's a moratorium on any new gas stations, yeah. right? They consider it to be like the buggy whip factory. You don't need those anymore. We're all going to electric cars anyway. There's no reason to build more gas stations. So I'm very torn because my first response is, ooh, an, a Costco gas station, cheap gas. Ooh. But I totally understand what they're saying. Is is it worth putting a Costco gas station in if we're all supposed to be going electric and if it's right in an environmentally sensitive area? I mean, does the good outweigh the poten potential bad there, especially if we're not going to need it in the long haul? Yeah. And um, Kim is pointing out, which I was about to mention, at least you have the cheap Arco in Mill Valley. Yeah, that's yeah. actually where I feel up. Um, that's true. Because I'm there at like 10 o'clock at night where... I wouldn't go there at 3 p.m. in the afternoon because it's backed up. Everyone's Packed. going to that gas station, including almost Pepperston. onto the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> um, an initial environmental study submitted to the city in August found the project could have significant impacts on air quality, greenhouse gas emissions, local wildlife and protected wetlands. It also found mm -hmm. that the project could significantly obstruct a state or local renewable energy plan. The exact impact will be determined by the official EIR, yeah. which is being drafted at this time. Um, yeah, I just I'm on the side of, you know, we need to move away from fuel. Think of Jacob. Yeah. Think of you know, Julia. Yeah. Think of your kids. 
we yeah. need to move move past. And you know, yeah, it would be cheaper. You're not wrong. But you're mm-hmm. not really. What what are you saving? You're you know, when it, the planets you know, yeah, in peril. It's I think the planet, it's time to move stupid. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of driving, though, apparently people are blinging out their cars, and it's not so good. <laughs> The authorities would like people, please, to stop putting rhinestones on your steering wheel. The federal officials are saying personalizing your vehicle like that. We know, you know, it's a tradition to kind of personalize your car. Right. But this particular customization option is resulting in serious injuries if you end up having an accident. There are these little rhinestone bedazzled rings that you put over the manufacturer's logo right on the steering wheel of your car and they have rhinestones on them so you're basically blinging up your steering wheel the word is car owners should not affix hard stick-on decorations to the middle of a vehicle steering wheel the national highway traffic traffic safety administration is saying people should immediately remove any decorations like that that you've already put on your car because if you get into a crash they become shrapnel-like projectiles, and they can cause serious or even fatal injuries. At least one driver lost eyesight in one eye when an aftermarket emblem with rhinestones dislodged from the steering wheel and hit the driver right in the face. Mm. The NTSA or an NHTSA is describing potentially dangerous products as metal or plastic plates, usually covered with rhinestones or other shiny decorations with an adhesive back that covers the wheel's logo right in the center of the steering wheel. That most passenger vehicles have driver airbags that in a serious impact deploy right from the middle of the steering wheel. And the airbag inflates with near explosive force right toward the driver's head and face, providing a cushioning effect in a crash. While most vehicles have a logo built into the center of the wheel, those factory-added decorations are designed to stay in place when the airbag is released. But the steering wheel logos could come loose, especially these um, the the rhinestone ones, and come flying right at your face. So don't put those on. That End just sounds rant. like a really bad idea. I mean, you just... think it looks cute. It's all fun and games until it's in your eyeball, right? <laughs> on that lovely note, let's take a break, <laughs> and we'll be back on the other side here on the After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Aloha to you, everybody. Thank you very much to our ongoing contributors, Harry M., and Amy P, you guys, taking us to the win spot and helping us uh, continue the show. So appreciated. Harry M and Amy P. And thank you to all the folks that have already popped in with super stickers here on YouTube today. We've got Doug and we've got Maude. Hang in there. We've got Wes uh, and we've got Harry. And thank you guys so, so much for contributing to the show like you do. We're very grateful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do you want to yeah. go to this um, swimming story? Let's do the swimming okay. story because it looks like these people had a year in advance put in their request for swimming to swim in the bay, but that didn't quite work out. 
Yeah, a group of swimmers swimming from San Francisco to Alcatraz on Saturday had a close call with a massive cargo ship. Um, theoretically, this is what it looked like. Uh, that unexpectedly cut off their path. The U.S. Coast Guard is mm-hmm. currently investigating the incident. Um, video shows the massive cargo vessel cruising directly through the area where the swimmers were. Can you imagine? Um, we've got to have Coast Guard or somebody check back there by the boat. Uh, this is a quote. Because they might be swimmers. There might be swimmers that may have been swept into it. An un- unidentified voice can be heard saying in the video. Um, no one was injured and no Coast Guard vessels were deployed to the incident at the time that it occurred. The uh, course that the swimmers were on had been cleared by the Coast Guard, like you said, according to the Odyssey Open Water Swimming Group uh, that organized the swim. The swim had been granted a permit approximately a year in advance, like you said. We are currently awaiting a response on the incident and are thankful for the assistance of the Coast Guard, according to Odyssey Open Water Swimming. All of the swimmers in the water at the time of the incident finished the swim. Once they reached the shore, all the swimmers were checked by staff. Uh, large commercial vessels merging into our planned path is not a normal occurrence, they said. And we are anxiously awaiting information on why this occurred. Mm. Mm, so here's the video. I have the video to show you guys. It's You can see all these people in the bay. Check out all those swimmers. You see them and the cargo ship is headed right for them. I mean, wowzers. And they had a permit a year in advance. Really dangerous. This is not cool at all. And apparently that wasn't the only ship. There was a second ship coming behind this one. They had to go back and, as you say, John, look to make sure that no swimmers were affected by whatever pull happens when a big cargo ship like this goes by. The bummer part to me is if you have a, a, a permit that you've had for a year, the Coast Guard said you could do this, then why is the cargo ship traffic being allowed through right during the swimming race? Somebody didn't get the memo. Man, because they yeah, had these harbor, the, what do they call it, the harbor masters, the the guys. Because right. it's not the captain of the ship that usually takes the ship through the bay. They have somebody local who's a expert in you know navigating the bay. So whoever yeah. is in charge of that must not have must have been looking at the wrong day of the calendar or something. I guess that the people were all checked out afterward and everyone was fine. But it's still just one of these things where what inept, ridiculous thing happened with that. Uh, um. Let's talk about this story because I just, wow, it's a dream of mine to see the Northern Lights like this. And apparently, depending on where you're located, this winter is going to bring the best Northern Lights display in the last 20 years. That's what's expected. Uh, Scientists say that the sun is predicted to reach the peak of its approximately 11-year activity cycle known as the solar maximum between January and October of 2024. And they say that means that we're going to get aurora displays in both lower polar regions and further south, especially if you're in, uh, in the southern region of Europe. The next solar maximum highly anticipated after the last one in 2014 was the weakest in a century. So they're thinking the next one's going to be really good. They have seen Northern Lights in the UK and Ireland over the last weekend. And apparently that's not where you usually see them. Uh, One of the space physics researchers in Europe says, I expect there to be more aurora activity than there's been in the last 20 years. It's mostly because of this 11-year solar cycle that the activity is now picking up quite a lot. There's another factor, which is the last solar cycle was weak, so it might be that activity now is almost the strongest it's been in almost 20 years. We have to go far back to see this type of level of activity. 
of the best regions to see the northern lights uh, created when particles come from the sun toward the earth are usually in places like Norway, the northern parts of Finland, Sweden, Iceland, some parts of the northern U.S. and Canada, and maybe Greenland. But during the solar maximum, the auroral oval, it's called, expands. So it could be visible in new locations. Uh, The thinking is that the more spectacular displays in normal locations that you think of, also nice displays further south. So it'll still be cooler if you're in the, you know, the spots where it normally shows up. But further south, you may see nice displays than you would normally expect. That it's very exciting to get this good solar maximum because a lot of people have forgotten what a good solar maximum actually looks like. Yeah. People have forgotten what a what a yeah. good old solar maximum looks like. I have never even known what a solar maximum looks like, but how cool is that? I like to think that someday I'll see it, but I don't know if I have the uh, mm. I don't know the I don't know if I can get it together to get to the these regions of the planet. Well, recently, didn't we have northern lights show up in like was it Washington State? Or, right. you know, in the, somewhere the in the right Sierra. Place at the right time. It's not you just have consistent. to know it's coming. And I don't know yeah. if they can predict that. So I don't yeah. know if all of those were predicted. Um, you know, what is predicted is whether or not mm. um, Andy Cohen and uh, Anderson Cooper are a mess on CNN. And, the, you know, they took away their ability to uh, drink on the right. New Year's Eve ce- celebration. And now Andy Cohen is asking CNN to reverse the alcohol ban for their special <laughs> He says, quote, give the daddies some juice. Uh, Which, did you like, do you like seeing them as they get more drunk and drunk and drunk throughout the evening? I liked seeing Kathy Griffin with um, Anderson Cooper. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Andy Cohen is obnoxious. Oh, well, a lot of people. (laughs) That's what I think. A lot of people thought it was unprofessional for one of your main news anchors to be getting rip roaring drunk on but the he's air. not covering the news and it's a new he's year's not. eve party it's like lighten up yeah folks. come on i kind of think so too and i kind of thought he was funny like the more he drank the more silly he got they, does it they, condone drinking though like is it you know this display of everybody get drunk kind of thing well then change the channel if your kids are watching it's like come on yeah. we don't need a nanny state um, everyone's drinking. It's New Year's. Uh, the one thing, though, when I'd watch it in the past, some of their correspondents would get wasted, like Don Lemon. Oh, yeah, you know, that they, was they, too much. They'd go to New Orleans. Mm. And it's like he was too drunk to function. And right. it's really, really embarrassing. Like as somebody who bartended, it's like, oh, I've seen that customer before. CNN <laughs> like, isn't saying whether or not they're going to acquiesce to Andy Cohen's request to let the daddies have some juice. Uh, they say... Let us, he said, let us drink. It's New Year's Eve. I haven't heard anything from CNN yet, but come on. Yeah. Let us I party. mean, if they had a comedian, yeah. somebody who was actually funny and didn't just think that they were funny, um, you know, like a, Kathy, like a Kathy Griffin, I think that would be mm-hmm. entertaining. Then someone just getting drunk and then like, you know, yelling out to, um, who did he yell out at? Um, do you remember? Oh, uh, it was Seacrest. the front man from Journey. Wasn't yeah, it Journey? Yeah, but he yelled out that Ryan, yeah, because uh, they were like, performing that's not for the real Journey. ABC. Yeah. yeah, and he was uh, yeah. he was dissing on uh, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know. If it's entertaining mm. is what I'm saying, then I think it's worth it. But if it's just obnoxious, then Then not so much. Nah. It is Travel Tuesday. I'm so oh, excited. Is. I love Travel Tuesday. Don't we have a, kind of, an image for Travel Tuesday? It allows me to think big and think about daydream about where my next travel spot will be there it is 
Travel Tuesday. Oops, oh, we're clicking on the same thing. At the same yeah, we're time. doing the, okay. the Mark Kim thing. Travel, travel Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday where we talk about travel. Travel Tuesday. <laughs> travel Tuesday. Let's talk about uh, whether or not tourism is returning to pre-pandemic levels. We've it seems like we've had to wait a while for this. Yeah, so SFO is reporting that international flights have returned to pre-pandemic levels. Um, with San Francisco set to host the upcoming APAC summit, city officials announced that international travel through SFO is reaching pre-pandemic levels. According to the statement from the mayor's office, travel, uh, international travel, that is, was at 97% as of August. By the end of this month, international flights from SFO will be back to pre-pandemic levels with the return of key Chinese carriers. That's what's going on here, right? Mm -hmm. All those Chinese carriers cut off uh, service to San Francisco. San Francisco is open for business and travel, and we are thrilled to see our international travel demand not only return, but continue to increase at this pace, uh, Mayor London Breed said in the statement. With the coming of APEC, we know the eyes of the world will be on San Francisco. Our city is a world-class destination, and with these new air carriers, we can now welcome even more people to experience San Francisco. Um, All right. There's people from the UK, uh, a lot of Europeans I see here in the city, mm -hmm. along India. Uh, SFO tells more that more of its flights to India, they, they have more flights to India than any other West Coast city combined, 17 nonstop flights a week. And that would make sense with all the tech, the tech industry and all the people coming here to work in uh, IT mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, will you travel with me to Dolly... Do not Dollywood, but Dolly Parton's new resort lodge well, it's at in the Tennessee yeah. mountains. It's Heart Song. Yeah, it's Heart not Song Dollywood, but it but is isn't a resort. It at I don't isn't think it so. Apple? No, oh, really? it isn't. I don't think it is. Maybe is it? I don't think so. I think Google it's in the it. Smoky. It's in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, it is the second resort hotel. You're right. Connected to the Dollywood amusement wait, wait, park. Wait, could you go back? Back, what did you you're say? right. I said you're right. Okay, you're right. You're right, John Daly. You're always I think that's why damn they call right. It Dollywood's heart song. Mm. Well, it's kind of obvious. Dollywood's heart song. It looks pretty. <laughs> Look at the bottom right picture. That's you have the pool. You have the lodge in the middle the of bottom the mountains. Right? Bottom right. Yeah, bottom right. My side of the bed. Um, I'm the... saying on the bottom right. I'm seeing like the undeveloped, <laughs> unlandscaped. She wants it to be, uh, very homey in this resort she said it needs to be um the the place needs to be full of kind of dolly herself so there's a big picture of dolly right behind the the reception desk where you check in in the lobby she said i'm a down-home person and all the people i grew up with are just likable easygoing people and i guess once you've had that kind of instilled your whole psyche and your whole being that does follow you uh, she said, when you grow up in a big family, you cater to one another, you cater to your neighbors, you cater to your friends, even on Sundays when the preacher comes over, you're always kind of giving. And we have that spirit at Dollywood Resorts. Um, and it's, they call it a high fashion rustic lodge. In the lobby, they have a four-story stone fireplace with an iron grate with a depiction of young Dolly among the trees and butterflies. They have a huge portrait of her right behind the uh, reception desk. A massive screen rotates through imagery about current seasons. The seasonal changes are captured throughout this hotel in the hallways and the guest rooms. I guess they have to change it during every season. They have um, uh, fireflies that 
appear in the lobby and on the carpets in the hallways because she loved to see watch the fireflies when she was little actual fireflies or like digital fireflies well in the in life when she was little she loved actual fireflies right now they have depictions of fireflies like i wanted to know know, uh, they don't light up i was gonna get in trouble with animal activists the rooms have wall length murals uh, nighttime scenes with bears, raccoons, and butterflies. There are more than a dozen room and suite types, including a variety of configurations. Some have separate bunk rooms from kids, like at the Legoland Hotel. Uh, some have beds made up with sleeping bag sheet hybrid where the covers unzip. Uh, Heart Song has camp Dollywood kids craft things each morning, reading time, drawing. Her imagination library is open. And the lodge is very rustic. But uh, they do have some velvet sofas, and they have a lot of purple. I guess her pink and purple aesthetic is on display there. So yeah, new new resort at Dollywood. My mom would love that. She likes pink and purple and loves Dolly Parton. Uh, that's oh. all in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, if you want to mark that on your map. next time. The room through. rates, by the way, start at $319 a night. Uh, the peak season... Mm, they're lower in January and February when the park is closed. You can go there even when the February. park is closed. February. Thank you for the brew. Yeah. Uh, um, but it's already pretty booked up. So people are loving the heart song. Loving it. And um, if mm-hmm. you need to go to Tennessee, you might need a passport. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just kidding. If I you won't need, need a new passport. passport if you need a new passport before your next trip, you're in luck. The U.S. passport processing times have dropped again this week. The State Department is saying... If your application is received Monday or later, you will wait between seven and 10 weeks down from the eight to 11 weeks. That was uh, the case prior to this week. Expedited service comes with an extra $60 fee and will uh, take between three and five weeks, dropping down from five to seven weeks previously. Uh, Quote, as more Americans are traveling internationally again, we are directing resources to meet the unprecedented demand so far in 2023, according to a State Department website update. Those estimates do not include mailing times. So they're aggressively recruiting and hiring across their passport agencies, trying to get that time down. Because uh, there was a period of time where it was just like ridiculous. Like the yeah. late time to get your passport was really ridiculous. So it's uh, it's getting better. And so this is a good time to get, get your passport if you have uh, plans for next year. I would I would recommend getting it far in advance. Excuse Bless you. me. <laughs> that <laughs> is Travel Tuesday. Woohoo! <laughs> Travel Tuesday. That was Tuesday's Travel Talk. <laughs> Okay, let's go on to this. This is oh, you know what? I had one more. I it's not Travel oh. Tuesday. Oh wait, I had first. I wanted you to stay at Dolly Dolly's house. Now wait, I want you to go stay. Tuesday? It's Travel yeah. Tuesday. We have another story. This one's <laughs> Now I want you to go stay at Martha Stewart's farm. Mm-hmm. Do you need a passport yeah. for that? No, you don't. Not if you're already in America. Okay. Um, it's Martha Stewart's Thanksgiving-inspired farm stay. The upcoming, stop it, Booking.com vacation listing is for one night only on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, November 18th. So the chance to meet Martha Stewart while spending the night in her Bedford, New York farm's tenant house. <laughs> spending the night in her bed. No, you and don't get Bedford, to sleep with her. Bedford, New York. No, no, no. Okay. You don't. Uh, we give you the lifetime, they say, of domestic cred. It's a charming place amidst beautiful gardens next to my big original greenhouse, she told CNN. Oh, it is an, a standalone 1,800 square foot guest house, two bed, 
to Bath. It's on the property of her primary residence, which is a 153-acre farm in Westchester County called Cantito Corners that she bought in 2000 for about 15 million bucks. There are several homes on this property and gardens that include an allee of linden trees, topiaries, giant oh, maples, Christ. and a hedge maze, according to her blog. Whoever says, the lucky uh, she teaches tax evasion. I'd go for that. <laughs> Whoever the lucky couple is, I think they'll have a lovely time and be entranced with the charm of Bedford. The whole township is just beautiful, Stewart said, adding that the ginkgo trees have just turned golden and the fall foliage is currently peaking. So pretentious and boring. If Snoop Dogg were there, um, Mo's saying a Snoop Dogg guard. If Snoop Dogg was there, then I'd consider. Then it would it. Otherwise, be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah, that just sounds so pretentious and boring. So I guess you have to go to Booking dot com and try to be. Booking dot uh, yeah. Probably, <laughs> it's probably already booked. It's a low price, eleven dollars and twenty three cents, in order to honor the Thanksgiving date this year. Uh, the farm stay is one of 7.3 million reported listings of homes, apartments, other unique places to stay on Booking.com. So it's an advertisement for Booking.com. They probably booking paid dot, her. Yeah. To, yeah. Advertising works. You say Booking.com and I know Booking. Yeah. So advertising works, yeah. folks. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess, you know, Martha Stewart's getting kind of up there a little bit, but there's something That's she true. could do to what? reverse the aging process is that what we're saying yeah um following eight healthy habits could slow down your aging by up to six years so maintaining a healthy heart might be the secret to staying young according to a new study you know who this is coming from i have a direct link oh, with those study them. people mm -hmm. researchers working with the uh, american heart association discovered that the following that following the h a a h a sorry this is a mouthful life's essential mm -hmm. eight checklist could help someone slow their aging by as much as six years. The study's focus is on how a healthy heart might keep our bodies feeling and functioning younger than our actual chronological age. So the researchers used their checklist to measure heart and brain health during the experiments, and the checklist factors in lifestyle choices and health measures like sleep, diet, blood pressure, uh, to gauge an individual's cardiovascular well-being. Um, so the, the eight items are, ready for them? Okay. Coming in at number one is eat better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number two, be more active. I feel right. Like we already we already know all this. I mean, this is like basic knowledge, right? Number three, uh, quit tobacco. I'm on board. Yeah. Number four, this is for you, Kim. Get healthy sleep. Get healthy what? Sleep. Oh, sleep. sleep. Got it. All right. Yeah. Manage weight. Control right. cholesterol. Okay. Manage blood sugar and manage blood pressure. So that's all you have to do. Really? Those like that's news. <laughs> Biological That's... age in this context is determined by something called phenotypic age, a concept that goes beyond the traditional calendar to assess your body's true wear and tear. A phenotypic age is calculated by adding up your chronological age, how old you are according to your birth mm -hmm. date, with the results of the nine different blood tests that check various markers like sugar levels, inflammation, and kidney function. When someone's phenotypic age is higher than their actual age, it suggests that their body is aging faster biologically. Mm -hmm. Uh, we found that the higher cardiovascular, I like how you're just dismissing this whole study. Uh, we found that the higher cardiovascular health is associated with decelerated biological aging as measured by phenotypic age. We also found that it's dose dependent association as heart health goes up, biological aging goes down. Um, yeah. So phenotypic age is a practical tool to assess our body's biological aging process and a strong predictor of future risk of health and death. But it, you know, it all sounds easy, just like diet and exercise. It's the, right. it's the discipline in order to, uh, 
to to manage those things and actually follow through. So eat better, be more yeah. active, don't smoke, get sleep, manage your weight, control cholesterol, manage blood sugar and mm. your blood pressure, and uh, you'll live a long, long life. God. You're not on board. So... No, I'm totally on board. But you what you know, well, what about the people that can't get out there and exercise all the time that maybe yeah, but a lot of people can. So older, the people who can't. Well, you can't solve everything, Kim, but you yeah. also can't use them as an excuse, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't um, want to eat better. I want to eat Burger King. Or pickles. I have pickles in here today. That's um okay. internally flawless blue diamond. Now this story interests me. Oh. Could fetch fifty million dollars at auction. Would, I mean, I wouldn't even wear it. I'd be so petrified. $50 million. It is the largest internally flawless, fancy, vivid blue diamond ever put up for auction at Christie's. And they have a sale of rare jewels coming in Geneva. Actually, it's today. Known as Blue Royal, this vivid blue diamond, when it has its own name, you know it's special, right? It's set in a ring right now. It's among the rarest ever to be unearthed. What makes the Blue Royal so rare and special? Its size. It is 17.6 carats, the largest of its kind. The color is very rich naturally. It is internally flawless, as best it can be. The last time they tried to sell a blue diamond, it was called the Oppenheimer Blue, and it was only 14.6 carats. It went for 50, more than $57 million. They say, we hope it will beat the Oppenheimer, the Blue Royal. We have toured it all around the world, to Asia, the U.S., Europe. We've had good interest from collectors worldwide. So uh, they're offering it up for auction today, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, it could, they say get 50 million or more so there's the blue royal it will never be mine sadly but it's pretty to look at well you know i'm sure somebody will sw swoop in and um sell you the barbenheimer uh jewel mm -hmm. instead of the oppenheimer get it what do we have quick, quick uh, cash grab yeah right? um <laughs> <laughs> i might have been overthinking that and in case you were missing out on all these studies that we do there's another one Are you ready yeah. for another one? Oh, bring it yes <laughs> um, overthinker groundbreaking new therapy could stop those repetitive thoughts that drive you mad a new type of mm -hmm. groundbreaking mental health therapy can help teenagers stop overthinking according to recent research overthinking which is something i specialize in also called yeah. ruminating yes indeedy is mm -hmm. known as one of the biggest risk factors for depression and anxiety which affects nearly uh 44 of u.s teenagers according to studies these thought pattern patterns involve obsessing over the future as well as regret over events and behaviors of the past the latest mm -hmm. study used brain scans to show a specific type of cognitive behavioral therapy which can reduce co connectivity between parts of the brain associated with obsessive thinking and break the negative thought loop that sounds good uh between 10 and 14 sessions of rumination focused cognitive behavioral therapy although that sounds kind of ironic it's like you need to stop and think about ruminating to break right. the cycle of ruminating you need to stop uh, to think stop and think about the overthinking yeah yeah start, start thinking about the, your overthinking it reduced the teenage participants focus on negative experiences which caused them more uh, which was causing them severe anxiety and distress um so this is good news the the uh, results produced by psych psychiatrists in, at ohio state and the university of utah expanded on previous research done uh, by the research people over in the uk uh, along with U.S. scientists. And uh, these findings were described by the science website Science Daily as groundbreaking. Uh, depression affects 21 million Americans and nearly 4 million teenagers. So this is, um, uh, it's good news that they're they're figuring out ways to uh, 
to stop it. How is overthinking, though, connected to depression? When you overthink something, you get depressed or? Probably because you're focusing on negative thoughts. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And you can't escape it. Yeah. Alle- allegedly. Allegedly. Not speaking from personal I mean, I, I've overthought on certain, like how to, you know. Like it's like a doom get loop. Get around certain problems. I guess It's so. like a doom uh, loop. It's like one yeah. thing's negative and you're like, oh, I'll never overcome this. And then it's like, it's right. overwhelming. And like you're like, I just right. described my whole college experience freshman year. <laughs> Let's talk about a shipwreck. Ooh. I love a good mystery. We this is called the Holy Grail of Shipwrecks. The Spanish galleon San Jose sank off the Colombian port of Cartagena after its powder magazines detonated during a skirmish with the British in 1708. Always on British. Board, it is on board the San Jose said to be treasures worth up to $20 billion in today's money, along with the 600 sailors, all but 11 of whom went down with the ship. In 2015, the Colombian government announced that a team of Navy divers discovered this legendary ship lying 3100 in 3,100 feet of water. Last year, another team brought back jaw-dropping images of its perfectly preserved cargo. So now, the government of Colombia said it will raise the San Jose before the president, Gustavo Petro, ends his term in office in 2026. They say there's going to be an almighty fight over who owns this wreck. A United States firm says it found the boat. They are demanding half of the loot. The Spanish government and an indigenous group say, Mm-mm, wait a minute, you took it from Hold us. Hold up, wait a minute. Uh-huh. It's ours. The San Jose Galleon was owned by the Spanish crown when it was sunk by the British Navy. Uh, and so, you know, it seems like everybody wants their fingers in the pie. Who gets it? Mm. Uh, sea Search Armada, a company... Uh, I think it's an American company, is suing uh, for half the treasure, about $10 billion, right, under the U.S. Columbia Trade Promotion Agreement. Because, yeah, they say that they found it, so it's half theirs. Finders at least keepers. half theirs. Yeah. Um, Columbia hailing the find as a huge historic cultural achievement. So Columbia should get some of it, right, or something. A cultural achievement. Mm-hmm. The Navy vessel belonged to Spain... Bolivia's indigenous Caracara nation says its people were forced to mine the gold and jewels, so the treasure actually belongs to them. God, leave it at the bottom of the sea for crying out loud. The 62-gun galleon was sailing from Portobello in Panama at the head of a treasure fleet of 14 merchant vessels and three Spanish warships when it encountered the British squadron and it went down. They have... They have looked at what's down there, and it looks really interesting. Images recovered last year, you can see on the screen, show a a part of the bow clearly seen covered in algae and shellfish and the remnants of the frame hull. Images offer the best view yet of the treasure aboard the San Jose. Gold ingots and coins, muddy cannons made in Seville in 1655, intact Chinese dinner service down there, porcelain, crockery pottery glass bottles can be seen so it's interesting we'll see what happens when they raise this one we'll tell you martha stewart's uh, probably want to get some of that china uh, pottery. it's a good china right there some old china 
Very cool. Um, just quickly before we uh, wrap things up, uh, Mama asks me, just curious, are you in any way related to John Daly, the founder of my hometown, Daly City? I oh. am not. Um, but what's really funny is I'm John, John Daly, Daly the Boulevard. fifth. <laughs> I'm John Daly the fifth, and uh, I, I do appreciate having a street uh, allegedly named after me in the city. Yes. But we're not related. And the funny thing is, my family, you know, John Daly the first or John Daly the second, um, came to this area before that John Daly. So my family's been here longer than that family, but there's absolutely no relation, unfortunately. And if there were, I wouldn't be doing a show on YouTube. No Why are there's the no other Daly can. family loaded? Uh, they had enough land to donate it to the county of San Mateo when he died. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Uh, well, is that it for today? Are we wrapping it up, my friend? I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Well, tomorrow we'll talk about marijuana raising the risk of a heart attack. That's interesting. interesting. Uh, we have also some other stories about seals wearing funny hats mapping the bottom of the sea so we'll talk about that and more of the after party live rolling once again for your wednesday we'll be back with you thank you for spending your hour with us today thank you doug for the ten dollar super sticker mod for the 25 dollars super sticker and wes for the five dollar super sticker and harry for the five dollar super sticker you guys are so cool and ongoing contributors so harry m and amy yeah. p we appreciate all the contributions it allows us yeah. to do this every day and bring it to you have a great afternoon kim McAllister. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, John Daly. Out of time. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.